everybody. He's Vincent. I'm Jules. She's Mia Wallace. No, wait, that ain't it. He's Marcellus. I'm Butch. She's Honey Bunny. No, that ain't it either. This isn't Pulp Fiction. It's Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. Drewster, how are you? Episode 60, Ted. We made it to 60. So we cool? Yeah, we cool. Episode 60, the Roy Winston episode. The Roy Winston episode. And it's appropriate that we, we're doing linebackers tonight because Roy Winston was one of the finest linebackers the Vikings ever had. Now, you probably remember him more than I do. My cognizant memories of the Vikings, Roy Winston was like in his last year or two. It was it was Seaman Hilgenberg and Roy Winston, I think, had one year and then it was kind of transitioned into Matt Blair and, and all that. So I don't remember. I don't remember number 60 in our program, number one in our hearts very well. I don't remember a lot of that either, but Roy Winston was part of the reason I became a fan. He was one of the two guys that I saw that made me be a Viking fan. How was that? I was looking at the newspaper on a Monday morning. I was five years old. I was looking at I just found out about football maybe a year previous, and I was enamored with it. I loved it, right? But I didn't have a team. And my dad, we were in Michigan, so my dad's a Lions fan. I saw the paper one Monday morning after the Lions played the Vikings. The sports section, on the front of the sports section, the Vikings had beaten the Lions. There was a picture of Roy Winston and Carl Kosulke with the helmets, the horns, and the mud, and just grizzled looking. Yeah. And I looked I looked at the paper. I still remember it clearly in my head. I looked at the paper. I pointed out. I said, Ma, there's my team. And she says, well, you might want to rethink that because I don't think your dad's going to like that. <laughs> and I said, I can give a flying F what my dad thinks. <laughs> It doesn't matter how it makes you feel. <laughs> and I have been diehard Viking ever since. On that note, how you doing tonight, Ruby? You guys want to know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris? And what do they call it? They call it uh, a Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. It's a Royale with cheese. Because <laughs> the metric system and shit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah! Pulp Fiction tonight. What am I talking Duh! about? What a classic movie that was. I saw somewhere today in Entertainment Weekly had it as the best movie since 1983. I mean, that's pretty high accolade. Right I, there. I'd buy it. It's a great movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. It is really not for the faint of heart, though. No, it, yeah. If, if you're kind of a, a GPG movie, don't watch it. Tarantino's best work, you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think so. Too. The Kill Bill movies are pretty good. There was one that was that was pretty good. Tarantino and Clooney were in, I think they were in Mexico, and some nightclub turned into like this zombie vampire thing. From dusk till dawn. That's it. From dusk till dawn. Yeah, that was. Classic, I mean, it was classic, campy classic. and over the top, violent, but I, but I liked it. But, but yeah. that's why we love Tarantino. He makes yeah. weird movies like that. Yeah, that really relaunched Travolta. He'd had a few down years, I think. Did you just order a five dollar shake? Mm-hmm. That's a shake. That's milk and ice cream. Last I heard. That's $5. You don't put bourbon in or nothing? No. Just checking. Welcome to episode 60. We got a lot to talk about. We got some, some NFL and Vikings news, some sad news. We got a great interview with Josh and James Green. They are football players at Tennessee State, one of the historical historically black colleges and universities, coached by Ohio State alum and NFL legend Eddie George. It was a great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. From there... We're going to hit linebackers. We've only got two positions left. We've got linebackers this week, and then we got defensive backs next week with the real Forno, at real Forno, Tyler Fornis of NBC Sports Edge, and he's on Climbing the Pocket Network. He's all over the place, man. The guy's climbing up in the world. He's going to be our show on our show next week to help talk defensive backs. Wait, yeah. Tyler Fornis coming to the Thunderdome of Vikings he's, Report? He's coming to the Thunderdome, yeah. Welcome to another edition of Let's give him a thunderous applause when he gets here. He better be ready. From there, we're going to hit linebackers, which is good because Green Brothers, one's a linebacker, one's a defensive back. Again, we're going to talk about the roster guys. We're going to talk about the free agency guys. Talk about some guys that the Vikings lost, a couple of big names. Uh, and then we're going to get to Drew's big board, which is the highlight of the week for me uh, on these shows. Is that really? Yeah, I, I learn a lot from you every week, man. I, I love doing oh, these things. that's great, man. That's cool. That's cool. Ed? Yeah. <laughs> I am cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little problem and light this candle? That's right. Light this candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. 
Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. Show can't start till we do that. We are off. Episode 60. Hit it, Ted. Episode 60 is underway. We're going to start off with some absolutely stunning and tragic news. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Ohio State alum, and one of my all-time favorite Ohio State players, quarterback Dwayne Haskins, died over the weekend. Apparently was hit by a car crossing an interstate down in Miami. He was 25 years old, and that just stunned and saddened millions of people worldwide. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around something like that when it's a guy that young with that much of his life. He just got married, I think, less than a year ago. He still had your whole life ahead of him, whether it was going to be in football or not. He was going to be competing for the starting job with the Steelers this coming year. He'd really been working out, concentrating on getting back to being a starting quarterback in the NFL, and then just something like this happens. Just awful, awful news. You know, it never gets any easier, Ted. I just turned just turned 57 and these stories really really they grabbed me i mean the first few people i talked to about it were all we're all michigan fans because there's something bigger than football rival or not haskins is part of the michigan ohio state once they clash together you're part of that big family yeah i'm still heartbroken over it now i went back today and looked at Watch some highlights to kind of do a little retrospect on him and man what a fantastic player i'm gonna remember him as this quiet humble kid that represented Ohio State well. He never was in any trouble. He was not one of those guys that was in the headlines for anything other than good things. As much as his on-the-field exploits sent him into a rarefied era of an Ohio State and a legend, that's the only word you can use for him, is that he was just this really quiet, compassionate, humble kid off the field. And if you didn't know it was Dwayne Haskins you were talking to, from everybody that's ever talked to, interviewed, hung out with him, said, You'd have never known he was the first-round pick in the NFL. He was a record-setting quarterback at Ohio State that beat Michigan, won the Big Ten, and won the Rose Bowl. I, I just, it's just stinks, man. If you want to get a really good flavor of what kind of season Dwayne Haskins had in 2018, watch the last three games of his Ohio State career. Arguably the three biggest games of his career against Michigan, he went 20 of 31 for 396 yards, six wow. touchdowns. Ohio State wins 62-39. In the Big Ten Championship game, which I was privileged to go to and, and watch live, he went 34 of 41 for 499 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. In the Rose Bowl against Washington, he, he only went 25 of 37 for 251 yards and three touchdowns. That's 14 touchdowns in his last three games as an Ohio State Buckeye. And that's, that's the Dwayne Haskins I'm going to remember on the field. He was just, he was just a fantastic quarterback and people say well you should have had Joe Burrow that Joe Burrow was on the team that year well you know I mean when you look at what Dwayne Haskins did in 2018 yeah in retrospect it's easy to say look what Joe Burrow's accomplished since he went to you know he transferred went to LSU won the national championship there but it's it's hard to argue with the decision at the time and because Dwayne Haskins set or broke just about every single season quarterback record Ohio State has so 10 or 11 years old he got to visit Ohio State. There's home video. I think his dad, mom or dad took of him. He was wearing an Ohio State jersey. And I, I'm pretty sure it's his dad that asked him, hey, what do you think? And he turned, looked right in the camera and said, I'm going to be quarterback here one day. Going to college here. You going to college here? <laughs> now, if you come to Ohio State, what position are you going to play? Quarterback. That's pretty cool. Our thoughts and prayers and sympathies are with the Haskins family. And I can't imagine what you guys are going through right now, but know that we all grieve with you. And may you find some peace and comfort in all the Good things people are saying about your son, your brother, your husband. Rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. said Ted you didn't have to mention the 6234 score I didn't. yes you did yes you did we'll 6239 I'm giving you five extra points so you're welcome didn't have to mention <laughs> <laughs> so that's really about all we're gonna hit for league news 
NFL news, the Vikings had one more signing, and I that very well may be the final signing of free agency. They signed defensive tackle Julian Taylor. He was a late-round draft pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Quasi Adolfo Mensa was with the 49ers when they drafted him. Apparently, he'd had a, a, a pretty good track record. Then he, what, tore his ACL, missed all of last year, I believe? He hasn't played the last two years. Tore the ACL in 2019. That's the same year the Niners went to the Super Bowl, unfortunate for him. When they oh, yeah. The, when they played the Chiefs. In 2020, the Niners cut him. The Titans picked him up. He had him for four months in the offseason and then cut him. So he hasn't played the last two years. There's got to be something that Mensa likes about him. Yeah. He helped draft the guy. So yeah. uh, seventh-round pick, 2018 by San Francisco from Temple University. He is 27 years old, Ted. So another body to the defensive line, and we'll talk more about free agency when we get to the linebacker section, but it's kind of feeling almost fully focusing in on the draft now, but but we'll get to that. Yeah, I kind of feel like the free agency stuff's done too. For me, if the Vikings want to keep signing defensive players, I'm not going to mind, Drew Bunny. You know why? Why's that? Because I'm going to throw this tweet up. It's from Warren Sharp at Sharp Football. The Vikings allowed TDs on 32.4% of opponent drives in the final four minutes before halftime at the end of the game. That was well-documented to be the worst in the NFL. But how? just how bad was it? The NFL average was 12%. The Vikings average was 32.4%. The number 31 team, the team, the only one spot ahead of the Vikings, their rate was 20.6%. The Vikings, oh. again, were 324 so not only did they rank 32nd in the NFL last season in that category, they ranked, get this, and here's drum roll, please. They ranked 686 out of 686 teams that have gone back to the 2000 season. There have been no teams oh my God. in the 21st century Whoa. that were as bad in the last two minutes before halftime and the last two minutes at the end of the game than the Minnesota Vikings in the 21st century. Oh, that's like Marvin getting shot in the face, man. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why did you do that? I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is an unbelievable stat. Is that the worst stat you've heard in your, maybe your whole life? When we were doing our post-game shows with Christopher Gates, Chris would be kind of monitoring the Twitter feed. We started calling it a stat only the Minnesota Vikings could do kind of thing. Do you, do you remember that? There was something every week. Yeah, I do. This is King Crab <laughs> of all those tweets, man. This is it. This is the thing that was in the briefcase that... <laughs> That Jules, <laughs> that Jules and Vincent went to get. We happy? Vincent? We happy? Yeah, we happy. What about Honey Bunny on the table? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever was in that briefcase, it was this piece of information right there. For folks that think the Minnesota Vikings are better than their 8-9 and nine record, they say that is because of mostly bad coaching. And if you take this roster with largely the same players, which it looks like the Vikings are going to do, and put a new staff, it's going to be a better team. Does a statistic like that make you think the folks that believe that might be onto something? Yes. Is that judiciary evidence? How's that word go, Rube? Hi there, students. Judiciously. Using good sense, using good judgment. <laughs> no, it's the, the stat, doesn't that work as evidence towards the people who think it's the coaching staff's fault that they went eight and nine and they could be better because there's a certain a group of people, including myself, that feel like with that staff out of there, we're going to gain three or four wins. I really feel that. So I'm one of those people. So okay. I say yes. I vote for yes that that does make a difference right there, Ted. Are you not concerned with the new defensive scheme that Ed Donatel is going to install and the new offense Kevin O'Connell is going to install that the growing pains from that may offset the good coaching that would get you those extra two or three wins? There will be growing pains, but I think they're going to be 
minimalized and they're okay. going to be overcome by it's not going to come down the crucial handful we talk about yeah it's going to be a bigger it's going to be two handfuls you got a little bit of, of wiggle room there there's going to be bumps in the road <laughs> i got a bump in the road so i shot marvin um, <laughs> But I strongly feel these games did come down to the stat you just mentioned, along with a few other things. And I, I do think that that's the difference of getting to the playoffs. Now, is that changing the staff and the foundation of the staff and the thought process and the gloom? Is that going to get us to the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I've already said it's a playoff team. And I believe you take Kubiak and Zimmer's non-thought out of the whole deal. D- don't you think it makes up some wins? I would like to think so. For all the bad press Kirk Cousins has gotten, 2021 2021- was not the reason Kirk Cousins was not the reason 20 uh, the Vikings went eight and nine in 2021 he led yeah. several drives at the end of the game that if the Vikings had a defense that could close a game out this team would have been in the playoffs and we wouldn't be talking about a new staff and none of that stuff if Ed Donatel can come in and take those players and not give up points at the end of the half and the end of the game yeah it, it very well could be a playoff team because it seemed like almost every single week the last two minutes of the half, the Vikings gave up a score, if not two scores. If you're up 24 to nothing and you give up a score, nobody's going to say anything. Oh, that's true. Yeah. A lot of times the, the points they were giving up at the end of the half ended up biting us in the ass at the end of the game. Yeah. So there's a work on both sides of it. I'm not going to completely excuse the offense because the offense had the most three and outs in the league. That's on them. Yeah. But this staff is not going to make as many idiotic plays i think they're going to be coached better donatel's going to have the defense prepared better and i think it will make a difference i had a a little discussion over the weekend with man bear pig you know man bear he's real big fan real big into scheme and everything he's angry that they didn't blow the whole thing up and i said that's good let's have a little discussion you're angry they didn't blow the whole thing up i'm okay with how everything's going let's Mm -hmm. debate let's debate it this is what I explained to him at the end of it. He said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I might be changing my thought on the whole thing. What I said was they wanted to trade Cousins. So if we can't trade him, offers aren't good enough. We're not going to play him for $45 million. Third option is what they did. Mm-hmm. Lower the salary cap, redo it, lower the salary cap, and keep him. That's what we're going to do. That's the plan. They did that, and then that translated into the process of, all right, Harrison Smith's coming back. Hunter, we're going to get him back in here. Kendricks, all those guys that we thought might be gone. They're all coming back. That was all determined off Cousins coming back. That's That makes sense. What if they were going to blow it all up next year? Because the quarterback is in the draft that they want next year, not this year. Mm-hmm. That would be the ideal thing to do. Keep everybody around. Do the blow-up thing next year. That seems like the plan. It, it does make sense, yeah. I mean, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying in, in past shows about at least – with Adolfo Mensa and O'Connell, yeah, they're bringing back a lot of the same guys, and I, I understand the aggravation and frustration with that. I mean, because what has this core group of players accomplished? And honestly, not much. I mean, they had the one playoff win in New Orleans in 2019, and that's it. So I, I think the people who, who think this team should get blown up make a lot of sense. But if you can't implement the plan to rebuild as fast as you want to, what's the next best thing? And what you described makes a lot of sense. They've got one more year, and then a lot of these contracts are coming off the books, and they'll be able to implement a full rebuild if they decide to go in that direction. And I agree that you could say this core of guys didn't get it done, Mm -hmm. but you had this core of guys, and you had a bunch of peripheral guys who didn't get used. Chad Surratt, Wyatt Davis, Patrick Jones, Darius Robinson. You had all these young guys that weren't allowed to play. And when they were... Willikis did good. Look what Cameron Byam did when he was in there. It makes a lot of sense, and, and you're kind of getting me fired up. I'll, I'll admit. You know, when you go on like this, what you sound like? You sound like a sensible and that's what I sound like. Do we want twelve days before the live draft that you're hosting, Ted? We want you <laughs> fired up, and I'm fired up to have Josh and James Green here tonight. That's what I'm fired up for. Yeah, I mean that pretty much hits us for the Vikings news. That'll wrap up our news segment. We're gonna roll into our James and Josh Green interview, the the linebacker and defensive back from Tennessee State. So Josh and James, hit it, and we'll see you on the other side of that. All right, we got another treat tonight. We've got two guys that are future NFL hopefuls, brothers Josh Green and James Green from Tennessee State. Guys, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Really glad that you could be with us this evening. How are you guys doing? Great. Amazing. 
So did you guys watch the combine at all? And if you did, what are your thoughts on the combine itself and, and kind of having to start getting ready for it in the coming months? Speed. That's the biggest thing I got from the combine is speed. So just work on my speed because the game is definitely getting faster and faster year by year. So how do you, because like as an old slow dude, how, <laughs> how do you, how do you get faster? Do you have like a, a speed coach or a running coach or something that allows you to, to improve that 40 time, for example? Yes, sir. Uh, our strength coach, uh, we do a lot of speed things daily. So really the biggest thing about speed is being consistent with your training and uh, flexibility also too, but really just being consistent. Okay. The biggest thing from the comment that I've seen just about um, the whole class-wise, I feel like this, this class, this draft class is really balanced this year, and there will be a lot of steals in the late six and seven round this year. There are four guys from Tennessee State that are draft eligible entering the draft this year. Are you guys talking to them, or are they kind of sending information down as, as to what to expect for guys like you that are getting ready to head to the draft next year and, and, and coming years after that? Um, not really a lot of conversation, more so just observing and watching uh, the training and different things they're doing to prepare for the draft. Josh, what, what about you? Same thing, just uh, really observing, going in there, you know, not really interrupting anything, just looking and taking notes basically on how their day goes and how what they do to prepare for the draft. You know, their training is different from a normal person like me training who I'm getting ready for the season and getting ready for spring football, trying to condition everything. It's totally different. So you're just basically seeing the transition from having a football season to get it right on to it and get ready for the draft. Now, is your coaching staff, I mean, I know they're not technically players anymore. They're getting ready for the draft. But is your coaching staff kind of working with these guys a little bit? Or do they have their own trainers and, and do you still use your facilities? Or How does that work? Um, well, they're just really with the shrimp coach. Like, that's their best friend right now. So um, not really with the coaches no more. This is kind of like their own path. Like, this is okay. all of them. And they're just with the shrimp coach working day in and day out. Spring football starts tomorrow, Ted. You guys fired up? When, when's your spring game? April 9th. April 9th? I'm going to write that down. I, look I want tickets. I want to go. Yeah. Oh, we got you. We got you. <laughs> All right. This is a question for both of you guys. Since James is the eldest brother here, we'll start with him. James, who do you model your game after? To be honest, to be completely honest, I really don't have anybody I model my game after. Uh, I played safety most of my life, so uh, I was a big Sean Taylor fan. Like, that was, that was the dude. When I got moved to linebacker coming into college, I didn't really have a, a linebacker I modeled my game after. It's kind of like I focused on myself and what I need to do and different things I need to work on. But I just really try to play the game with an edge, play fast, and play with some intelligence. I assume your coaching staff asked you to move the linebacker. Was that after you got to college, or was that something you knew coming to Tennessee State? Yeah, so once I came into Tennessee, I really didn't know. They really didn't know what position I was going to play. So once I got to Tennessee State, I kind of played like a, a – a strong safety uh, nickelback, and then I got moved into the box. And then the position I play is more so like a hybrid. So I, I go in the box, outside the box, I play man-to-man -man on the slide, tight end. I pretty much do it all. Do you think you would be better suited in the NFL as a linebacker or a, a defensive back then? Either one. I, I will succeed in either position. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and and brother, brother Josh is laughing at him. Josh, who do you model your game after? He models his game after me. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Real quick before Josh answers, after I watched James tape, I got Sean Taylor written on my notes. Did you oh, really? Yeah. What, what are the odds? We didn't discuss that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. So I'd say he's correct with that assumption. <laughs> Josh, what about you? Who do you model your game after? It's crazy because I'm just like James. I don't, you know, I got asked this question a few times throughout my life. And the answer always is I don't really, I never really model my game after anybody. I never really can say. I looked up to play my game after somebody. One thing I love, though, I love seeing a DB. You know, I'm not a hard-hitting DB. I'm a secure tackler. You know, I'm a finesse DB. So I love seeing a safety or a corner coming down fast at a running back and just, you know, going right at his knees and seeing him flip, do a whole cartwheel and all that. So I, I love seeing film like that. And, you know, that's when I really, like, watch a film of a certain DB, a corner safety, nickelback. And I'll just go from there. But it's not really a certain person that I just model my game after. I just love watching film like that. One thing I admire so much about defensive backs is that you guys are out on an island. You can look really great one play, and then you can give up a, a long touchdown in the next. 
on the on the very next, and it and it looks like it's your fault, and everybody in the stands is looking at you and booing at you. But how do you mentally block that out and come back and get ready to play the next series, the next the next set of downs? It takes letting it happen to you sometimes, or really you just having that teammate that could just help you, you know, get over it, tell you it's fine. Next play, it happens, you know. And at the end of the day, after that happens, you have no choice but to get back right. Definitely, you're a leader of the defense. You have to. Buckle down, get ready for the next play call. And then you, you're giving all the signals and all the calls out to everybody to your corner and everything. So you can't leave them hanging. So you have no choice but to get over it. Okay. Is there anything specifically that you guys are doing in getting ready for the draft? Or are you guys more focused? Is this is it something you're not worried about right now? It's it's getting ready for spring football and, and, and Tennessee State football for the 2022 season. Yeah, this is this is all about the 20. 2022 season um the nfl draft is definitely going to come it has its time it will definitely uh come along but we have big goals this season uh we got things we have to achieve i got things i want to achieve before i'm done with my college career so i'm all focusing all locked in on this upcoming season josh same thing you know um big season coming up you know and it's james last season in college football so we have no choice but to make this one the best one but at the same time um we do like when we're working out, we'll have 40s that we practice or shuttles. That's a part of our workout. So mm-hmm. that will help prepare us for the draft slowly. But the main focus is on spring and getting ready for the fall, getting everybody's bodies right, getting the team chemistry together. You know, that's the main focus at the end of the day. James, I saw an article and you had this really interesting quote. You said, the atmosphere here, meaning meaning a Tennessee state is different. You can feel it in the locker room. You aren't just sitting with ordinary people, you are sitting with people that played the game at the highest level and were successful at it. And and so this is my question about Eddie George, Ohio State alum Eddie George. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> now seriously, does Eddie Eddie George had played the game in the NFL at a very very high level? Does a guy like him as your head coach help you get ready for the NFL? And do you think the name of Eddie George or the the staff he's bringing in? gives you guys a better path to the NFL than, than say, another school in your conference, for example? Absolutely. Um, Eddie George, day in and day out, he, he trains our mind to we're in grind mode. Uh, you know, we don't get no handouts. You know, Eddie George brings a lot of guys who played at the next level to come in and speak to us. And, and having a coaching staff filled with guys who play at the next level, they give us a lot of insights on how it is once you get there and what you have to do to prepare for that. So, Eddie George definitely changed the atmosphere with this program. Uh, he gave, he gives us a little taste of what the next level is like. Definitely mentally, him and the staff brings in a great a great overview of how we should act, how we should wake up, and pr- pursue ourselves as pros, and you know, just off the field things I can say is a, a real impact on the program. But you know, TSU throughout all the years have had. Uh, NFL prospects every year come out. Deion Sanders just nabbed the number one recruit in the nation. It just seems to me like the, the, the profile of historically black colleges, universities, and smaller schools is, is sort of rising. It's just, it's getting a lot more notoriety than it has even just a few years ago. And my question is, with guys like Eddie and Deion raising the profile, do you see the path to the NFL becoming easier for guys like you coming out of HBCUs and small schools in general in, in the next four or five years yes uh Deion Sanders and Eddie George has brought so much attention to HBCU football and it's amazing and I I just love what they're doing so um they definitely have made the path easier the path is never easier but they definitely made it easier enough for the attention that's really what it what it has been with HBCUs we really haven't had that that outlet to get people's attention because HBCUs have a lot of talent so with them Becoming head coach for HBCU football teams, uh, they definitely brought a lot of NFL attention and definitely gave us an opportunity and a platform to be able to showcase our talents. Yeah, I can agree with James uh, 100%. You know, um, definitely with the outlet, it's bringing a lot of exposure to HBCUs. Definitely to, like how James said, all the athletes and all the talent that's built by HBCUs. So it's helping It's helping bring a lot of attention to the HBCUs. It's helping a lot of people that haven't gotten the exposure get the exposure since they came. So one last question, and then we'll let you guys go. And we'll start with you, Josh. Who's going to be the better pro uh, football player, you or your brother James? <laughs> <laughs> one thing, 
growing up, I was always called the natural. I'm, <laughs> I'm versatile. I can I can do it all. So you know, James, I'm not gonna lie, James. He he's very versatile. You know, um, he helps the defense a lot. Definitely, defense. You know, at linebacker, being able to put him out to coverage. But we have somebody like me that can come blitz and make the calls that I do. <laughs> I do. It's just come on, James. All right, who's? Do you agree, Josh is gonna be the better pro, or is it gonna be you? Well, I'm we gonna, on camera, so I'm gonna say both of us are gonna be great pros. <laughs> there we go. For this team, but this think, team, <laughs> I think Josh and I are gonna have a great NFL career, and hopefully, if God bless us to play on the same team, that would be amazing. I have a couple questions because there's a lot of similarities in your guys' game when it comes to when you watch the tape, and we'll run footage on both of you guys. So what stands out to me is the confidence and the instincts that both of you have from the beginning. I mean, James, the way you track running backs and tackle for loss in the backfield, one step, shoots the gap. Got, Ted, he killed some people. He put them out. There was, one, there was some footage of a, a shotgun snap to the quarterback, and James was almost took the shotgun snap. You know, the instincts and the confidence I see, and Josh, your closing speed on those deep passes, the way you track the football, the confidence just exudes on both your guys' games. And I'm thinking – because you went to high school in the highly competitive state of Florida, is that kind of where it comes from? Or are you guys just both both naturally competitors your whole lives? Because the confidence is what stands out the most in the tape. I really got to give all the, the credit to my dad. My, our dad, since we was young, told us don't play like robots. Just go play football. And, and really it just comes with as long as we've been playing the game since we was like five years old, football is football. Football is not hard. You know, you know a formation, you're going to get a certain – couple of plays out of it so just being able to have that IQ play with an IQ or just play fast and not play with no worries don't worry about messing up just go if you make a mistake go play fast and you know and just doing putting in that extra work extra film you just you get a a, a, a nap for it and you just go play football like I can't explain to you what I do it's just it happens it's just like okay I'm just gonna do this so it's all instincts and confidence yeah I can agree with James you know um our pops just like how he said when he he always told us stop playing like robots. And you know, um, another thing that helped my confidence was just my my freshman year of high school seeing James do what he does on the field and me just sitting back looking from a different perspective. It kind of just told me, like, bro, just go out there and do you. You know, you're the natural, like go out there, do the things that you do, you know, play loose. And one thing about me, once I get a little a little bit of confidence on the field and I start doing what I have to do, it's over with. So I just I just keep playing and keep keep doing things. And then James on the field at the same time it would build the confidence on me. Yeah. They're not both on the field at the same time. It's not yeah. too Knowing that uh, that's what helps a lot too. Josh hit a, a, a great point. Knowing I have my brother behind me who knows just as much as I do, we're able to play off each other. We're able to feed off each other's energy. And then we're able to put that energy to everybody else on the team. So that plays a big role too. I got Sean Taylor. Look, reminds me a lot of LeVar Arrington. You remember him playing linebacker? Uh, I remember yeah. LeVar Arrington. He has a closing speed of Arrington. On the other side, really? with Josh, I see a little Ty Law. But he's selling you short on his tackling skills, Ted. We're going to run some footage. He chops the feet off people. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. No, I swear. I watched some of that tape. There's four, at least four guys that lost their feet. Yeah, they always critique me on it, say it, it's not good and all that, but I don't. It's just natural. I, I don't. I don't even know how to. You don't it. see a lot of people doing it, but the tackling it looks like Anton Winfield. Wow! Because he comes up on a player, both of them. I mean, this guy chop, Josh chops the ankles out. James just flat out knocks their sternum off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I love this tape. I'm, you guys have all my votes for getting to the pros. And when you get your first contract in your first interview, I want you to say. What podcast are you gonna say you were on the help show? <laughs> no, we got we got yeah, you guys for sure. We definitely, I love I love the energy you guys are bringing. So we will definitely remember you guys. We're gonna track you, and we will be there for whenever you guys want to come back. Appreciate okay. that. We appreciate that. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck to you uh, this year at, at Tennessee State. By the way, Antoine Winfield also went to Ohio State along with their oh, head coach Eddie George. Oh, oh, here we go oh, out there. But uh, best of luck, guys, this year at Tennessee State and in the future, and we hope to see you in the NFL soon. All right. Thank you, guys.
Thanks, Josh and James. It is Thank now time for our linebacker segment. Drew, I would argue the linebacker position group for the Minnesota Vikings has been significantly overhauled this offseason. Would you agree or disagree? I think so. With Z Smith and uh, Hicks coming in. Yeah. Got a new influx of talent. What about the eight guys on the roster, Ted? We got some guys on the roster. We got uh, Tough Borland. Hey, what's cool to Tough Borland go to? Jesus, man. You know what his favorite meal is? I don't know. It wasn't covering that guy from Alabama. It wasn't covering Devontae Smith. He needed he needed a couple more Royale with cheeses to do that. <laughs> this is a really good hamburger. <laughs> That's a mighty tasty burger. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. What? <laughs> That's a mighty tasty burger. Do what? you mind if I partake? <laughs> what? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. Why are you always saying what? Do they speak English or what? One hour later. Say what again? <laughs> One hour later. They speak English or what? <laughs> what? Um. Do they speak? Uh, <laughs> we, we're, completely, we're completely off the rails. Say what again? All right. So, Tough Borland, Ryan Connolly. Troy Dye, Eric Kendricks, Blake Lynch, Chaz Surratt, and the two guys Drew mentioned that the Vikings got in free agencies, Darius Smith from the Packers, and Jordan Hicks from the Arizona Cardinals. Who makes the squad, Ted? Well, they lost Anthony Barr and Nick Vigil, who was a starter last year. He signed a one-year deal with Arizona. Anthony Barr, we'll come back to in a minute because it, it, it's not looking good for Barr's career. But the guys that are going to make the roster, I got Smith and Hicks, obviously. Right. Kendricks, obviously. Right. Chaz Surratt. Right. I thought Troy Dye played fairly well at times last year. We're five for five so far. When the Vikings go into this this three four hybrid thing, I, I'm not sure how many they're gonna keep based off what they've done in past years. So I'm gonna go one more guy and I'm gonna give it to my guy Tough Borland. It's more of a sentimental favorite than anything else. Tough Borland should be happy. That guy's built more for the three four than the four three. Is he really? I think so. I think he is because he's rangy on the outside. Not against Devontae Smith, he wasn't. You can't ask him to cover Devontae Smith. No, that was just dumb coaching. I was going to go for my last guy. If they're keeping six on the roster, we were five for five on the first five you mentioned. I was going to mm-hmm. go Blake Lynch. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was only going to vote for him because he got to play more than the other guys. And I don't know if that's really a legitimate reason to vote for somebody, but that would be the one guy. Connolly and Borland were my two guys on the outs, but I still think they're going to draft one. So, yeah, Blake Lynch. And Ryan Connolly on the outs. I should say Blake Lynch. Yeah, I should have said Lynch, not Borland. And I think Borland and both Connolly are, are eligible to go back on the practice squad again. So I, I wouldn't be surprised because Borland saw some playing time late in the year last year, and he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible, even though he went to a terrible school. He went to a great school. Thank you very much. Uh. Um, <laughs> so we'll throw the free agency list up there. We were talking earlier today, and you said, man, there's still a lot of good players that are Three agent linebackers. Which was another point Emily brought up, that there's going to be a lot of really, really decent free agent players. And sure enough, the linebackers, there's 82 guys left. There's a lot of stars, Ted. And I, I would argue of the, the free agents we have looked at, this is probably top to bottom, the most talented group of players that we've looked at in terms of free agents. I think so, too. I don't think the Vikings are going to sign any more of these guys, though, do you? No, I mean, you got Joe Schobert, tackle yeah. machine. Yeah. Every team he's on, he leads the team in tackles. And he got, what, uh, A.J. Hitchens, Hightower, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. Tremendous player. Uh, K.J. Wright, our friend from Seattle that we see he's been playing over there for 10 years. He's available. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to sign any more free agents. I think it would be in the draft if it would be anywhere. I agree that Chaz Surratt's probably the biggest storyline at linebacker. You kind of know what you got with everybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. EK54, we know that Hicks is going to be a big contributor. We saw Blake Lynch had some great games for the Vikings last year. Zadaria Smith, he takes care of his own house. He'll be fine. There is one guy on the list that might be kind of interesting, if I could bring up one name. Yeah. There's a guy from Indianapolis, and if you look down on your free agent list, he's down by the bottom, Ted. His name is Sky Moore, and he plays for Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. What if we took Sky Moore, or signed him as a free agent, and then in the draft, drafted the Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore? We that would, would be, be the cool. first team in history <laughs> with double sky moors. <laughs> Does it get better than double sky, Ted? No, no more. 
One guy that is a free agent that you probably saw on the list, Anthony Barr, been with the Vikings since 2014. He's uh, His contract was voided at the end of the year. He's carrying a $9.8 million dead cap number into 2022. I, and I don't think the Vikings are going to, are going to resign him. I'm I've read and heard, you know, kind of through the grapevine that he's seriously contemplating retiring because his knee is bothering him so much. It's like degenerative arthritis at this point, which is stinks for a guy that's only in his thirties. What happens with all that money? The nine. Well, that's dead. It, It goes against the cap this year, but this is the only year he has any dead money. So I think I'm not sure if they resigned him, how that, if that would have to be recalculated and would be, you know, factored out into, into more years. I think it would like yeah. if they signed a two-year deal, they, they cut that dead money in half. So it essentially be five this year and five next year or whatever. Quasi Adolfo Mensa in his most recent press conference, I believe it was, he was asked about bar and it just, it just doesn't sound promising. He said that, you know, we got conversations ongoing and never say never, but, but it looks, you know, kind of tough financially and everything, all that right now. So I, I just don't see Anthony Barr coming back. I don't either. I don't see teams clamoring for him either. I personally think he's going to retire when it's all said and done and uh, take care of that knee. So anyways, so that leaves us with the Drew Big Board for linebackers. What do we got? Good linebacker group this year, Ted. Not a whole lot of first rounders. I'm looking at your board here, but you got a lot of guys that you think are going to go in the earlier rounds, rounds two and three over almost a little bit over half your board, two thirds of your board. Yeah, those first seven you see on there, Ted. Mm-hmm. Those are all guys that could come in and play right away. Last year, there was only 22 linebackers taken in the whole draft. First one was taken at number 12 to Dallas, Micah Parsons. Three in the first round, three in the second, five in the third, including the great Chaz Surratt, who was taken by the Vikings 78th overall. And then there was 11 taken in the final four rounds, four through seven. So only 22 taken in the whole draft. So I'm not sure if all my guys will get taken off the sheet, but they're all worthy of it. All those guys, I'd be happy with the Vikings getting anybody on the sheet. They're all good. Two guys on the top of your list, Nicobe Dean out of Georgia and Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Both those guys are names I have seen mocked to the Vikings in the first round. I have too. Let's just play the hypothetical game. The Vikings are at 12. They're going to make their pick, and they've decided on a linebacker. Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd are both on the board, and you, Drew Bunting, are the GM. Which guy are you going to pick? You know, first off, these two guys in this position, since I've been doing the Drew Big Boards back in 74, these are probably the two closest guys I've ever had in competition with each other. Really? Right down the line. I think they graded 96, 96.4 or something. I gave Dean the edge, but it's basically one and one A right here, Ted, with these two guys. Okay. They're both going to be fantastic. Neither are going to wash out. Both are a safe pick. If you want a linebacker, both are playmakers. I gave Dean just a slight edge. Because I think you could play him inside or outside linebacker. And I think he makes a few more splashier plays than Lloyd does. But when you watch tape, you look at the measurables, you look at the tackling skills, pass rush, coverage. Both these guys are fantastic. And it's hard for me to say one over the other, but I would take Dean. Are both well-suited for a 3-4 or a 4-3? Could they play in either system equally uh, well? You, you put Devin Lloyd next to Eric Kendricks. Yeah. You're cooking with fire there. That sounds good. There's your two inside linebackers. <laughs> He's got an A-plus passer rating, too. They both got A passer ratings. But Lloyd is more of your inside linebacker, natural okay. inside linebacker, and I think that would be a good spot for him. Dean, you could play anywhere. You could put Dean, dude. You could put that guy at Rover Corner if you wanted to. It's crazy. Uh, 39 games, won the Buckus Award, you know, for the best linebacker. Mm-hmm. Some say he's more of a 4-3 linebacker. I say you could play him anywhere. Speed pursuit is off the charts. He reminded me of Patrick Queen from LSU, a lot like Patrick Queen, the linebacker a couple of years ago that the Ravens took. Okay, who's playing really well? I say he's he's become quite a good player. I got four grade ratings on my list of every player: tackling, pass rush, run D, and coverage. Nicobe Dean had an A in three of them, and he got a B in tackling, but an A plus and A's and on all the rest. Leader of the best team and the the best defense in the country. Yeah. And none of the Georgia guys you can look at, don't look at the numbers on any of them because there's so many good players, they all share the numbers. I mean, you got Wyatt and you got Jordan Davis. And you got all those guys. There's a lot of Georgia players. So Now, I'm going to surprise you here, Drew Bunning. Okay. I watched a little bit of film on Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd. 
because okay. the, he had been mocked the Vikes. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. The Vikings historically have been big on lateral pursuit of their linebackers, sealing off the edge, not letting anybody get the edge. And I would argue N'Kobe Dean is just a little bit better at that than Devin Lloyd. Yes or no? I think he is too. I think okay. his sideline to sideline speed is a little bit better than Lloyd. What's misleading on it, when you look at Lloyd's numbers, they're so, I mean, 110 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, eight sacks, but he's on a Utah team and he has to do most of the work. Yeah. I think that Kobe Dean does run sideline to sideline better than Lloyd does. Then it kind of gets me a couple things on Dean. I hear people say, well, his size, 5'11", 229. Ed McDaniel wasn't all that tall. He, he could bring the hammer. Plus, I don't want to hear this. Well, 12's a little high to take him. What does it matter if a guy's going to end up being a tremendous football player? What does it matter if you took him at 12 or 17 or 42? What does it matter where you take a guy that's going to be a stud player? Does it really matter? That is one of my biggest pet peeves about the draft. Could have traded down and gotten him at 16 or 17. Well, you don't know that. I mean, you think you know that, but there's been no mock draft in the history of mock drafts that has correctly predicted every single first-round pick ever. Yeah, right. You all stink. They all suck. You think you know, but you don't know. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. Okay? The great right. Jim Morris Sr. would say. It's still, right. I mentioned the stats for Georgia. They have to share them all. The guy still had 10.5 tackles for loss, 72 tackles, 6 sacks. 28 quarterback hurries, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles. Wow, those are just eye-popping numbers. N'Kobe Dean is a great football player. And if we took him at 12, you'll see me happy on draft night. All right. We'll see Pimp Drew pretty happy. A couple more things on Devin Lloyd, though. Devin Lloyd also had three of my four grades were A's. So he had an A tackling, and he had a B for coverage. Do it all linebacker, Ted. He's blocking kicks, intercepting passes. The guy does everything back there. Really a game impact player. He stuffed the stat sheet last year. Like I said, 110 tackles is a lot. Yeah. 22 tackles for loss. Four picks, and he took two back for touchdowns. They call him big and rangy. He's been the best player on any team he's ever played on, high school or college. So just nothing but raw talent there. So let's go to your second and third round, guys. So let's say the Vikings don't pick a linebacker in the first round. So let's say they go cornerback or, or some other position in the first round, and you're sitting there in the second round and or even in the third round, and there's a couple linebackers. Who are your guys that you think would be great fits for the Vikings? I am really stoked on you know, Christian Harris, Muma, Chanel, Troy Anderson from Montana State is shooting up everybody's draft board. Why is that? The Montana State, the, the small school guys always seem to get a lot of love and a lot of credit. Well, Troy Anderson ran a 4-4-2. I mean, come on, dude. Oh. oh a linebacker well, runs a 4-4-2. Okay. Yeah. That's going to turn some heads. 6-4-233. Troy Anderson's a tremendous player. You can put him an inside or outside linebacker. I like his motor. I like that he's a great tackler. He was a big sky quarterback who rushed for 1,400 yards and 21 touchdowns in 18. So he's Chad Stratton. Really? Remember Chaz really? Surratt? Yeah, Chaz was a quarterback, yeah, before he became a yeah, linebacker. That's right. This guy was a quarterback, too, in 2018 when he got to Montana State. Wow. And by 2021, when he transitioned over to linebacker, he was the big sky defensive player of the year, a matter of just three seasons. You want to hear a stat? Yeah. Tasty, tasty Troy Anderson tidbit. 147 <laughs> tackles last year, Ted. Come on, dude. <laughs> That's insane. That's 147. So, he's only played linebacker at the collegiate level one season. Yeah, I don't have his game count here. He's shown wow. defensively that he belongs in the NFL. Very, very raw. Going to come in and play special teams. Not going to start right away. It's probably more of a two-year project. But Troy Anderson, if he dropped to the third, you certainly have to at least think about it. These other guys are, man, Christian Harris. Let's roll a little tape on Christian Harris from Alabama. This guy's crazy, Ted. Three-year starter, 41 games at Bama. The starting three-down guy. You could play this guy at cornerback, safety. He, this is what he played. Cornerback, safety, running back, and linebacker, and tight end in high school. Those are the positions wow. he played in high school. I, I would think that kind of versatility would be something the Vikings would really be looking at as they're adjusting or kind of transitioning to this newer scheme. 
I think so too. Six foot two, 232 pounds, and he ran a four, four, four. And he's athletic as hell. Great movement, as you see by this film we're showing. Ah, that's nuts. He, he, he has a coverage guy. 79 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, and six sacks in 2021, along with a couple fumbles. I love Christian wow. Harris. The guy on the board, I think it's probably most excited, people are going to be excited about it, is probably the, the kid from Wyoming, Mr. Chad Muma. 33 games, 6'3", 237. Chad Muma, you can play him inside linebacker. You can play him outside linebacker. Hell, you could probably have him run back punts. What's he stronger at, inside or outside? Probably outside. Here's the thing about Chad Muma. A-plus tackler, A-plus pass rusher. This guy has tremendous pursuit to the quarterback. He's your linebacker. You, if you need a linebacker, I want to draft somebody who can get to the freaking quarterback. Yeah. Muma is the guy you look at this list. He's the best on this list, I think. From just a pass rushing standpoint, Chad Muma is a rocket who doesn't care what happens when he runs into the brick wall. I love those kind of guys. <laughs> That's what Studwell used to do, bro. Yeah. He's got great skills. Best tackler in the linebacker class. That's what I have written on my notes. And uh, 142 tackles. So he's right up there with Troy Anderson. 85 solo tackles. And that's in 10 games, man. 10. And if you look at this footage, he's intercepting passes, blocking kicks. He had two pick sixes, three interceptions last year. Very tough, hard-nosed player. Guy that wants to be a football player. You got to have those guys in your team. All right. Watch him fundamentally and techniques are almost perfect for a linebacker, Ted. Almost perfect. He's like a flawless player. Is he your favorite guy out of your rounds two, three, and four guys, or, or do you got somebody you like even a little bit more? I like two people a little bit more, and one I'll finish off with in a minute after I get through with Leo Chanel. I like Leo Chanel would be my probably my number one choice if you can't get any of those top guys like the Kobe Dean or Devin Lloyd or Christian Harris. Okay. He is the linebacker out of this group who's A-plus tackler, A-plus on run defense, A-plus on pass defense, but he has a little bit of an injury history, and he needs to work on his coverage a little bit. When I say he's good in pass defense, he's probably good at covering a spot or a zone, but he's not really good at running with a, a tight end on the seam. Okay. A little slow in that end, but 34 bench reps in Wisconsin would have led all the bench press guys who were at the combine. He sounds very much like your typical corn-fed and beer-fed Wisconsin <laughs> defensive football player. <laughs> but you mix in a lot of athletic ability with the guy. 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, 10-foot, 8-inch broad jump at the combine. This wow. guy had 115 tackles, 18-and-a-half tackle for loss, and eight sacks in 2021 in the Big Ten. He tore apart my Wolverines when we played him. He's about the only guy on the team that did any good for Wisconsin. But Leo the Lion, man. Leo Chanel. I would like to have him as a a Minnesota Viking. Good all-around player. And I think they could use some good all-around players. Who in your late-round guys if the Vikings go? I got one guy in there. Yeah? Who do you got? Well, Brandon Smith's a great player. Damone Clark. Not the Damone from uh, Ridgemont High. I want to mention this guy. Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma. This guy, if you watch him on tape, we're going to run some tape here. He has a really good knack for instinctively figuring out where the ball's going to go. Guys like that, that you can't teach that. That's a gift that you see from, you know, people that are always, Luke Keekley had that gift. He knew where it was going. He knew where that ball was going. I think you mentioned that about Chaz Surratt last year. Awesome, Moa. Great athlete. You can play him at nickel linebacker. You can line up in any kind of different formation. 34 games at 80 tackles. His speed to get to the ball carrier, his tackling ability, I think you could get him and maybe, but we don't have a fourth rounder. We'd probably have to take him in the third unless we got a fourth rounder. He led Oklahoma in tackles in both 2020 and 2021. He just does everything really well. Great guy in coverage, splitting the gaps on the run. You could rush the quarterback. I'd love to see the Vikings get that guy. I think there's a lot to work with with that cat. Probably put him in there at free safety if you needed to. Look at you, Mr. Donatel Schemer, you. That's... <laughs> To sum it up, your inside guys, Devin Lloyd, Quay Walker, Muma, Jojo Doman, and Carol Bernard. And the outside, best outside guys I see are Dean, of course, Jacoby Dean, Damone Clark from LSU, speedy, speedy guy, the aforementioned Christian Harris from Alabama, and Brandon Smith from Penn State. You could play him either inside or out. He actually plays both. All right, so I'm going to ask you one last question. The Vikings are on the clock at 12. They're not going to trade down. They're going to make their pick. Are they going to pick a linebacker or not? Uh, what do you think the Vikings are going to do first? Are they going to pick a linebacker? No, they're going to take a corner. Okay, and what would you do? There's only two corners I would take. Stingley and Gardner? If they're both gone, 
I would strongly be suggesting that N'Kobe Dean is the resident name on the card. I wouldn't have a problem with it. He's good. He was killing Michigan. Michigan had the best offensive line in football, and he was throwing their linemen off. They were trying to block him. He's throwing them out of their way and laughing at him. He was. Doing pretty much the same against Alabama, too, in the national championship game. All right. That is our linebacker position group for the week. Drew, once again, excellent job on the big board. Well Thank done. You, sir. We are going to do a previously unreleased trivia version. We've, we've had a couple shows in the past. <laughs> we were running long. We had done a trivia, but we didn't have time to show it. So we're going to cut that right now, and then we'll come back and wrap the show up. Did you know that new cars can lose up to 50% of their value in the first two years? Yikes. Don't throw your money away on depreciation. Ask yourself, why buy new? Go to easterns.com to see how easy it is to save right from the start. Welcome to Tootsies Trivia. How are you guys doing? Good, Tootsies. How are you? Good. Today we're going to play the $59,000 pyramid in honor of episode 59. But I don't have a background for that, a graphic for that. So we're going to go ahead and play with the Jeopardy board. We're going to give you three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Elizabeth McGovern. Layla George. Fast Times of Rich Run High. Madonna. Oh, uh, uh, Sean Penn, girlfriends or wives? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. That is correct. All right, number two, head office. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. Ruthless people. Mm. Judge Reinhold movies. Yes. Good Dude. job. <laughs> Go ahead. Give it. That's, that's thunder and lightning right there. Go ahead. Little thunder, little lightning. Little lightning. Excellent. Excellent job. We're rolling. All right. Number three, John Randall. Tony Williams. Defensive tackles for the Vikings. Derek Alexander. Defensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings. Jerry Ball. From the 90s. Dwayne Clemens. Close, Ted. You're getting close. From the 98 team. The 1998. Yeah, whenever I do years, you're just gonna always assume it's probably 98 or 09. <laughs> Those are my two favorite years. All right, number four. If it were up to me, we would have only had one OC the entire time. What's with the Prince T-shirt? I wouldn't have re-signed Kirk Cousins. Thanks, Rick Spielman would say. Mike Zimmer. (laughs) Oh, Spielman. Yes. Here are the other ones just because I like them. We don't have seventh rounders. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one. Tight skin. BB Cates. Draft raises. Mayockisms. Yes. (laughs) Here are the other ones. Rolling ball of butcher <laughs> knives. <laughs> Cerebral. <laughs> Oily hips. Plug and play. That's right. Love it. Oh, that'll about do it for episode 60, Drew. Again, folks, if you're a subscriber, thank you. Uh, if you like what you see, please subscribe. Hit the bell. Comment. Let us know. We got the two live shows coming up. We got one more studio show and then the two live shows. And then we're going to take a much-deserved break. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. We will try to do better the next time Drew take us home. I can't wait for the party. We're going to have a good party 12 days from today, Saturday. We are going to have the live show. We got a lot of guests lined up. We got prizes lined up. Ted, best in the business, as I always say. Tunes, thank you for all the work that you put into putting these shows together. Episode 60 is in the books. And until next week, I got one thing to say. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Say what again?